and just it's good to come together and worship you. It's just good. We thank you for it. We thank you for the offering. We pray that you would bless the offering and use it, God, to do your work. And um, we just turn towards you now as we look at, uh, at the word, and we pray that scripture would just challenge us and strengthen us. And God, I'm just going to ask you to come and um, really mess up everyone else's life today like you've been messing up my life. Amen. Okay. That is, that's a prayer. It's a true prayer. Um, so today is Pentecost Sunday, and um, ironically enough, so if, if you don't know what Pentecost Sunday is, it's, um, it's actually from the Jewish holidays before Jesus came. It was already a festival, and during that festival, after Jesus had gone back to heaven, is when the Holy Spirit fell on the New Testament church and kind of birthed the revival that began what is known as Christianity around the world now. And so, um, but in prayer, kind of before all, before I even knew that, uh, Jonathan and I were just feeling to do a series on what it's like to follow the Holy Spirit and, and to live life reclaiming the Spirit-empowered life, and, um, and to just stretch ourselves and challenge ourselves. And so it just works out, and that's how God is nice sometimes, that we're going to kick it off on Pentecost Sunday. Um, and and he also, Jonathan, uh, you know, I had kind of like a, a direction that I thought this was going to go, and then Jonathan recommended a book, and so I started to read that book, and it was a really big mistake, because <clears throat> the book has really <clears throat> challenged me, and so um, I'm going to be using a lot of that book today. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to, today's kind of like vision casting, I'm not going to give a lot of practical stuff. Um, but it's going to hopefully challenge you, and then we're going to deal with some issues the next two weeks, and then we're going to be more proactive the two weeks after that. So that's kind of like how the series is going to round out, hopefully four or five weeks, not 70, like our last one. Um, And so I want to give you a disclaimer before I teach this, and the disclaimer is this, that there are no disclaimers, okay? I'm going to teach this, I'm going to teach it like I feel it in my heart, and you have to know that there's more, like, obviously, I'm teaching one thing. I'm going to press one pedal. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to round it out. I'm not going to balance it out, right? There's other verses in the Bible than the ones I'm going to read, and you could definitely balance this out. And there's actually a danger with what I'm going to be talking about today, especially if you're kind of like a religious person who, you know, responds to things like guilt. This could be, this could be a negative thing. And so, like, for me, sometimes when I hear teachings like this, I just feel like God must want me to do the thing that I hate most in my life, and that must be what I'm called to do. Whatever it is, let me think of the worst possible thing I could do for God. That's what I'm going to have to do. So don't go there. Hear this teaching with, with you know, knowing you know that God loves you, but I'm not going to give disclaimers, because if I did, like, every sentence that I said, I would have to be like, but you know, all right? So that's the disclaimer. It's over. You're not getting another one. Okay. So in Acts 1, 7, Jesus says that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And those were like concentric circles. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. In your town, in your city, in your region, in the world. Right? So here he makes this proclamation, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, things are going to change. Right? But how did they change? I was listening to this teaching by Jay Pasek this week that Jonathan also recommended. Jonathan's my spiritual mentor. And, uh, and so he talks about how Jesus is the lion, and that 
But what we do a lot of times with the lion, like have you ever seen a lion in the wild? Mandy and I were dating. We used to like, I don't know why, but we used to watch a lot of nature shows together. I, I like the African cats ones. They're my favorite. And so you like watch the African cats hunt and stuff. Lions are ferocious, like many hundred pound beasts. And so if you were to be like, oh, I'm going to domesticate this lion. I'm going to make him my pet. I'm going to tame this lion. And you brought him into your house and treated him like a house cat. Things would not go well. You would probably die. Things would get destroyed in your house. But see, and what Jay was saying is that we take Jesus and we try to domesticate him and make him fit into our life. Make him fit into what we would like our life to look like. And he's this powerful, wild lion waiting to get free. But we're like, come here, kitty. It'll be nice to follow Jesus, right? So here's, here's I, I have this, Elliot and I were looking at memes this week together. Can you go back one? So here we go. This is what we do to Jesus. Behave yourself. Guys, that's hysterical. I laughed for days when I saw that. Do you not get it? Jesus walks on water. Get it? And they're like, yo, Jesus, no running. I had to explain it because Noah was like back there like, I don't get it. But I think we, oh, thank you. I think we do this to Jesus. I think we're like, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I follow you. But Jesus, behave yourself. Behave yourself. Don't ask me to do anything too radical. Don't ask me to do anything too stretching. Don't ask me to do anything. I'm not like that. I'm not extroverted. You know? I'm not very bold. I'm not very good at talking to people. I'm not very good at praying. God, that's just not who I am. That's not in my wheelhouse. That's, that's not how you made me, God. Right? You put it on him. All right, let's look at some things. Like, so let's just look like objective at the, at the book of Acts. Just going to do... I do this occasionally in my life just to refresh my memory. So objectively, the Holy Spirit comes, and let's just see the times where the Holy Spirit moves on people, okay? So here's some things that happen. Um, I'm just going to read down my list, and you'll follow along because I don't even know where they're broken up. So, you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you just go out and start speaking in languages that you've never heard of before, so much so that you're accused of being drunk. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes upon you as Peter. You've never preached in your life before, and you preach to 3,000 of your countrymen, things that they would consider heresy probably. Holy Spirit comes on you, and you sell your possessions to the poor and give to the needy. You tell a lame man that he can heal him. Listen to 4.8. Then Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. He started preaching to the Sanhedrin who had already told him that they would imprison him and kill him, but he didn't care. Think about, just think about this. Tame Jesus or wild Jesus? Heal the sick and cast out demons. Have angels break you out of jail. Get flogged for going back to the people who arrested you and put you in jail in the first place. Right? Whose great idea was that? Right? Who was at that meeting that was like, guys, I got an idea. You know the people who just beat us and threw us in jail? I know God delivers us from miraculously, but I think we should go talk to him again. You know, I really do. Who's in? Who's in? Right? Peter was like raising his hand. He was like, oh, I don't know. It might work this time. They get flogged. The Holy Spirit tells you, hey, Stephen, I want you to preach the message from the beginning to the end. And then they're going to kill you. Right? I mean, this is like things that the Holy Spirit leads you to do that they don't talk about in Sunday school, right? Blindly follow directions and end up leading government officials to Jesus. Be prompted to find someone who kills Christians and pray for them. That was, that was Ananias' prompting of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever had that one? I think I should go find someone trying to kill me and tell them about Jesus. Escape in a basket so you don't get killed. Raise the dead. There's a lot of 
avoiding death in here. Like putting your life on the line. I can safely say that I've never put my life on the line. Except for like when we used to travel and drive like on the New Jersey Turnpike a lot. Like maybe that was like risking my life for Jesus. We had a couple close calls. Go pray for people who you consider not even to be in the family yet. Right? The Spirit said, Simon, who's Peter, three men are looking for you. He was up on the top of the roof having a quiet time with the Lord, talking about food. He said, get up, go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them for I've sent them. All right, there's another prophet. The Holy Spirit speaks to him prophetically. He tells him there's a famine coming. So they raise money and send it to people in need. A bunch of the believers moved to avoid getting killed, but then didn't stay quiet. They started preaching in those areas that they moved to. You know, I mean, and started getting tons of people saved. The Holy Spirit came upon the early disciples and they said, you know what? Take Barnabas and Saul and send them out. I don't know what that felt like to anybody in that room. It's just one sentence. But maybe they liked them. Maybe they didn't want to see them go, you know? Maybe Saul had just bought a house. He was like, what? You want me to go? Holy Spirit comes on people and they go on missions. They go plant churches. All right, so here's the most challenging one that I found. Ready? And now, compelled by the Spirit, this is the whole point. The Holy Spirit doesn't move us to easy things. We don't see many verses in here where like, and compelled by the Spirit, I stayed home and did nothing to the glory of God and the good of mankind, right? Compelled by the Spirit, I did not tell that person about Jesus because I was afraid and Jesus loves me. And he knew I was afraid, right? This is crazy to me. Compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me, which is actually not true. He kind of did know. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that tons of people are going to get saved and miracles will follow me everywhere I go. Or that prison and hardships are facing me. I choose A. Yeah. Right. Well, and then in this specific instance, I think we're going to, we might read this later, but like he preaches this and then he, and Luke and all these guys are traveling with him and they're like, don't go to Jerusalem. And he's going and saying goodbye to all his friends. He goes to Ephesus. He says goodbye. They're like, don't go. He's like, guys, it's okay. I'm going to go to prison. Right. And then he goes to Ephesus. Like, don't go. And this prophet Agabus comes down and he takes Paul's belt in this dramatic scene. He ties himself up. He says, this is what's going to happen to you. They're pleading with him. And, uh, and Paul, when he heard, Paul, I'll just skip ahead. Paul said, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? He's like, guys, the Holy Spirit told me to go. I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up. Can you imagine? And they're like, the Lord's will be done. That's what it says. <laughs> You're on your own, buddy. Right? The Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. I, I like to write that off as Paul being amazing. I don't like to read that and think that's the, the Bible for my life. You know, that's just like reading a really cool biography about somebody who's awesome, you know? Instead of like, this is scripture and maybe as as an example for me. Like how to follow the Holy Spirit 101. 
don't care what happens to you and take gigantic risks with your life. (laughs) It doesn't sound tame at all. I mean, guys, this does not sit well with me. Do you know me? I am not a risk taker. I am, I am, I used to be called when we were younger behind my back, Captain R, because I was always the one telling everyone to be careful when we were all teenagers driving everywhere. I mean, I remember one time where I pulled the caravan over and got out and yelled at one of our young adult drivers for driving over the speed limit. I mean, I laid into him. I was like 22. He was like 22. And I was like, how dare you drive over the speed limit? We have teenagers in these cars. God has entrusted us with. And I think I was right. I still think I was right. But I don't take risks. You know, I make rules like, like for when my kids are little, like they can't eat like when I'm taking a shower, you know, like because they could choke and I won't be there. Of course, if they choked, I would have no idea what to do either, but at least I could be there comforting them. You know, you can have yogurt. You can have yogurt when I'm not in the room. Um, Wait, Kristen, you don't want anybody to eat while you're taking a shower, right? It's, it bothers me. <laughs> um, I, I, have, I have moved like seven or eight times in my life, all within a five-mile radius, you know? And I, and it's, and I don't know, like, I think that I'm following God, but it makes me feel a little bit not adventurous with my moves. You know, I mean, I cross state lines the, all the time, I, you know, state to state to state. Um, Ellie and I went for a run the other day and he was like, Hey, I want to try to run on my own. And I was like, Oh, okay. And we ran different directions on a trail so he could be alone. And I, and I, and it, and, it, and I was like watching the watch, my clock. And at one point I was like, Oh my gosh, we're like three miles apart, you know? If something happened to him, I wouldn't know. There's no cell phone reception. What if someone tried to grab him? Of course, Elliot's a pretty, pretty strong dude. I think he'd be okay, but good luck. But, but it, I was like, calm down, calm down. There's not people like that. Okay, there are people like that, but calm down. Because God never lets bad things happen. Shoot, that doesn't work either. But just, you know, like, I don't, I am, I don't, I like safety. I like people not being hurt. I like my kids being safe. And all of this talk about risk-taking is hard for me. Um, I've been wrestling a lot with this lately before I even started reading this stupid book. Like, am I raising my kids to follow Jesus and kind of like what I think it means to sacrifice and to, to live willing to give anything for Jesus? Or am I raising them to follow the American dream that being comfortable and being happy and having what you want. Because like as a father, I I love to give my kids what they want, but in the end, am I just reinforcing things that I don't want to reinforce? It's it's really difficult. All right, so I'm going to read you our first passage from, it's going to feel like I'm teaching out of a book instead of the Bible, but trust me, they're similar. All right, so this is called Wild Goose Chase by Mark Batterson. Many of you probably read it. Um, Here's a quote. If you would describe your relationship with God as anything less than adventurous, uh uh-oh, then maybe you you think you're following the Spirit, but you've actually settled for something less, something I call inverted Christianity. Instead of following the Spirit, we invite the Spirit to follow us. Instead of serving God's purposes, we want Him to serve our purposes. It's like, oh, oh. And while this may seem like a subtle distinction, it makes an, oceans of, an ocean of difference. 
Have I tamed the lion? That's what we're talking about. Am I, am I following the Holy Spirit who is untamable, erratic, spontaneous, dangerous? Or am I asking the Holy Spirit, hey, listen, here's, here's my goals. Here's my five-year plan. All right, there's some things I'd like to accomplish. Would you please fit into these? You know? All right? I mean, I've had some moments in my life where I do feel like I have followed the Spirit. You know, I, I've said this before, but like, it was always one of my goals to get a master's degree. And it really burns me up that I don't have one still to this very day. Um, but, you know, as I was starting my master's program, I had a real distinct experience with the Holy Spirit where I felt like he said to lay that down. I'm not saying that education should be laid down. In fact, I, I believe in education. That's why it was so hard for me. But I felt like he said, lay it down and devote yourself to our traveling ministry at the time. And so I did. And I haven't been able to get it yet. And it makes me frustrated still. I mean, seriously, I still think about it. I want that. But it, and it was a risk because you want to know what it was? It was my, it was my fallback plan. Because when I got the master's, I would have had another profession that I could have provided for the family. And, and he was, I mean, for me, this isn't what I would tell other people unless God told you. Because I think it's really smart to have, to have backup plans. I like backup plans, especially my kids sitting over here. Get an education right? But I had to lay that down and it was, it was like, okay, you know, I guess driving around ministering to teenagers is somehow going to make us money. I mean, back then it was like, we'd do a big conference and Jonathan would walk away with like a hundred bucks. We'd be like, whoa, you can't support, support your family on that, you know? But it was, it was a risk. But I sometimes wonder, am I still, am I still willing to take that? Have I tamed the Holy Spirit as I've gotten older, as I've gotten more responsible and got more responsibilities and things I need to take care of? Have I tamed the Holy Spirit? Have I clipped his wings and said, listen, we can't do that kind of stuff anymore. We gotta stay, listen, you gotta know, God. You know the things I have to do. I gotta do the things I gotta do. So you can't call me to do other things, right? Nobody hearing me? All right, I'm gonna only ask questions today. I'm not going to give you any answers. So the first question is, have we tamed the lion? Are we on offense or defense? So I was on a really good soccer team in high school. And we would play very well all year long. And for like three years in a row, we had very good records. And we beat most of the opponents that we played. And then we would get into the state tournament. And our coach would employ this method where he would change our, how we played soccer. Because we would be playing these bigger, better schools. And instead of playing aggressive, offensive soccer, we would like shore up our defense. And we would play super defensive in the shell and hope to score. Instead of attacking this team, knowing we're going to score. And it was a subtle difference, but you could feel it. And I remember after those games, my brother, um, who's a big soccer fan and coached soccer and played soccer, he would just be so upset about how the, the, the way that we played looked different and, and, um, and we would lose <laughs> because of that. If you're, if you're not playing offense, it's hard to win. You're playing to, lo- to not lose instead of playing to win. You got to play defense and offense. <laughs> you know, so, all right, here we go. Deep down inside, let me read this to you. Deep down inside, all of us long for more. This is kind of a long quote. Deal with it. Sure, the tamed part of us grows accustomed to the safety of the cage. Sounds good. 
But the untamed part longs for some danger, some challenge, some adventure. At some point in our spiritual journey, the safety and predictability of the cage no longer satisfies. This is stirring inside of me. Are you asking a question? Oh. (laughs) Sorry, it caught me off guard. We have a primal longing to be uncaged. It's the Holy Spirit inside of us that's drawing us out. The cage opens when we recognize that Jesus didn't die on the cross to keep us safe. Jesus died to make us dangerous. Praying for protection is fine. I pray a hedge of protection. I can never think about hedge of protection without thinking about that guy who does the, the hedge. And Satan's like, no, not the hedge. Sorry. All right. <clears throat> Jesus died to make us dangerous. Praying for protection is fine. I pray a hedge of protection around my three children all the time. You probably pray that kind of prayer too. Yes, I do. But when was the last time you asked God to make you dangerous? Never. I have never prayed that prayer. Just seriously, have you? God, make me dangerous. Make me dangerous to be around. Because when you're around me, you never know what God's going to do. I mean, that's totally different to live your life like that. I don't live my life like that. I would like to think that, I, that when I pronounce the benediction at the end of our church services, I'm sending dangerous people back into their natural habitat to wreak havoc on the enemy. That's totally different. <clears throat> no. I'm just like, dear God, I pray that... I don't have a joke. Keep, it, keep them safe till next Sunday. <laughs> All right, I'll be honest with you. I feel like, I feel like my Christian life is missing something. I really, am I really that dangerous? I mean, look in the mirror. Are you a threat to the enemy? How you're living your life right now? Am I really looking for opportunities to be, be dangerous? I can't even say it. <laughs> dangerous. Am I really looking for spontaneous moments to love people? Are you looking for them? Are you looking for, what is so funny? Oh, you're sitting next to each other. That's, I, got, I know it's funny. I, for, I didn't see her sitting there. Am I looking for spontaneous moments to pray for people, to tell people about Jesus, to free people from some sort of injustice, to bring heaven on earth, to include someone who's left out, to put a family around someone who isn't in a family? I mean, seriously, do I want to invite someone over for dinner when I've been working all day and I'm just looking forward to be, having family time? You know, to give a word to someone who speaks to me. What? To give a word to someone as God speaks to me. To give a word in church. To pray for big things in my life. All right. D- Jesus died to make us dangerous. When was the last time you asked God to make you dangerous? Paul's pretty dangerous. I think he would have been pretty dangerous to hang out with. Like, pretty much you're either going to get stoned or shipwrecked. <laughs> right? Or both. They're throwing stones at our boat. Somebody got it. All right. Here's another question. Here's another question. So have we tamed the lion? Are we, living, are we playing offense or defense? Even though defense wins championships? Who is different because of us? Who might not hear about the love of God if you don't seize the opportunity to tell them? Oh. That, this, is like, this is like life fear number one for me. If you know me, you know, like, I, I, I really just, I want to figure out a way. Doesn't that sound so American? I want to figure out a way 
to take what we have here and give it to people who don't know Jesus yet. I just would love to see more than one person a year get saved. When was the last time I talked to someone about Jesus who didn't already know Jesus? I can't even remember. And I'm like the evangelist guy on staff. I I preached at soccer camp last year to the crowd and told them about Jesus, and that was the last time. I've I've invited people to church. I've prayed for people for healing, like in public and stuff like that, whatever. But like, talk to people about Jesus a year. It's been a year. And that wasn't one-on-one. Who might be stuck in poverty or stuck in ignorance or stuck in pain if you're not there to help free them? Where might the advance of God's kingdom in the world stall out because you weren't there on the front lines? Jesus' disciples didn't just live an exciting life post-Pentecost. They turned the world upside down. That's what you can be part of too. The Wild Goose Chase, that's the name of his book, and the Wild Goose is an old Celtic way of referring to the Holy Spirit. Side note. is an invitation to be part of something that is bigger than you and more important than you. I wrote in my notes, let's read that again. (laughs) Who might not hear about the love of God if you don't seize the opportunity to tell them? There's eternal implications to what we do and what we do not do. Romans 10 says the same thing. How then can they call on the one that they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And I would say not just like heard of, but like heard the truth of, seen the real Jesus in your life. And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless we're sent, unless we go, unless we take risks? This is like messing with me as I've been reading it. He said something else that like blew me away. He was like, Jesus isn't going to say, well thought, good and faithful servants. Well said, good and faithful servants. Great intentions. You know, he's going to say, well done. Well done. Oh, what are you doing? What am I doing? What am I doing? All right, um, I'm just really asking myself, am I even open to an adventure, let alone living an adventure? Or have I created a life where the only kind of God I have room for is a little cat? (laughs) I do have two cats, actually. Where the only danger I produce is the danger of me not doing what God's created me to do. Because I'm not willing to take a risk. I'm not willing, or just even say, what's up today, God? Like, what's the adventure for today? Like, I think you can actually, like, process the Holy Spirit through lenses. So as the Holy Spirit is leading you, if, if the Holy Spirit's, you're only letting him lead you through the lens of American whatever you, we've created, it may be, he may be wanting to say stuff that can't even get through. It's just, it's hitting the filter. Or like, one of those comes through and you're like, oh, that's probably my religious spirit. I need to cast that out. You know? Instead of like, oh man. No disclaimers. Remember, there's more of the Bible and you should know all of it. But this is one, this is one thing. This is one thing. And I'm just wondering what kind of Holy Spirit you're following. What kind of Holy Spirit I'm following. And how tame we have made him. And... 
I didn't want to give any practical things. I just want to like put that out there. This is what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. Okay? We're going to talk about what it's like to follow the Holy Spirit. Not that I know, but I'm going to make it up. And uh, no, we're going to get some of you up here too. And we're going to wrestle with this together. Because here's the thing. Here's, here's where the translation gets hard. Obviously, when you read about this, it's a very specific thing. You're reading about missionaries in, a, in like a foreign land with the birth of a movement. It's a little bit different in America with our lives and Christianity having all the history that it has. Much of it, some of it good, some of it bad. It's a different culture, but it's still the same Holy Spirit and people need him. So, okay, I'm done. So what we're going to do now is we're going to answer some questions. So the teaching's over. We're trying a different format instead of back and forth. So now we have 15, 20 minutes to talk. What we encourage you to do is get in groups at those tables back there. The questions will be up here. Uh, someone take leadership at the table, and we'll just go around and let's have some discussion. All right. Go.